I'm going to talk today about a topic, it, it, but, but it's going to be centered around a, a, a little piece of scripture from Thessalonians, okay? Actually, some, several pieces of scripture, and, um, but, it's, but it is a topical thing, and so uh, I'll get started in just a second, but I want to set the stage for it. Um, I, I don't have to tell anybody in here how things are in the world that we live in right now. You all know we've been through two years of a nightmare with this, with this pandemic, and uh, there are there are political sides to that. There are medical sides to it. We some of us have lost loved ones. Um, it's just been rough all the way around, and it's been rough in a lot of other ways too. Um, we're we're finding out that as Christians, there there seems to be much more animosity and hostility out there than there ever has been before, and and it it's not an it's not a surprise to any of us because. We can sense that 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 we are getting close to the end of the age. The age being the age of the church. The church began at Pentecost, way 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 back in the first century, and it's been continuing on and growing until today, right now. And at some point in time, the church is going to come to an end as we know it here. It 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 won't be as an end to at an end, but it will be as an end as we know it here, and. There's going to be an event that's going to occur that's going to make all that happen. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, in First Thessalonians, we have Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. And the reason why he wrote them that letter was because uh, he had gotten reports from Timothy that some of the people in the church were concerned because... When he had been there prior, he had told about Jesus' return. He said that Jesus would come back. And, of course, Jesus himself said that uh, in, in, in the Gospel of John. I'll read that to you in just a moment here. And so the Thessalonians and the people in the church there were really concerned because they expected that they would be uh, taken into heaven, and, they, and some of them had died. And they didn't know what happened. Where did these people go? Uh, because they were supposed to gone, we were all supposed to go to heaven, and it didn't happen. So you know, we're we're worried about this. And so Paul uh, took pen in hand, and he wrote this letter, this first letter to the uh, Thessalonians, and he explained to them what was going on. Um, to set the stage for this, let's. Uh, I, you don't have to follow me in any of this stuff. Cause I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you this morning. Okay, but I'll do. I'll read it and save you the trouble of having to run all over the place to find it. But the first passage I'd like to read is from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also there. And you know the way where I am going. So he promised them that he would come back for them. And that promise was a solid... Jesus made it. You can bank on it. He died for us. He went and... He promised that he was going to save us from our sins, and he did. And um, and so he said that he was going to return. Now, Paul would have probably told this to the to the church up at Thessalonica uh, when he had been there the first time to uh, 
to visit them. Or t- excuse me, Timothy would have told him. Timothy went there first, and uh, but evidently it didn't it didn't sink in. So so Paul then wrote them a letter, and this letter that I, or this passage that I'm going to read from Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, is the basis for uh, a term that we have come to know in Christianity called the rapture. And and it is a term. It's it's a similar term to uh, to the the uh, Trinity. It's not found anywhere in the Bible. The word rapture, you won't find it. But you won't find Trinity either. Okay, and it's kind of similar. I, I can give you an analogy. If you look at the Hebrew word for Messiah, it is Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word. Hebrew, excuse me, Hebrew word. Uh, if you look in the Greek language for the same thing, it's called Christ. Okay? And if you look in the English language for the very same thing, it's called the Anointed One. So all three of those words, those renderings of this one thing, is, is, is perfectly proper. Now, the same thing for uh, uh, rapture. Uh, in the Greek... It's called harpazo. Harpazo is the Greek word for, for what we call in English being caught up. Okay? And the Latin word for being caught up is raptura. Okay? And that's where we get the word raptor. If you think about it, you think about an eagle. You think about an eagle catching a big fish in a lake. How do they do it? Okay? There, by the way, eagles are raptors. They're called raptors. And they're called raptors for that very reason. They fly along over the thing, all of a sudden, down, boom, snatch the fish up and off they go. Okay? That's being caught up. And that's exactly what the rapture's all about. So keep that in mind and I'll read the passage. And Paul writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no, as, <coughs> as do the rest who who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, Come! About what it's going to sound like. And then there'll be a huge trumpet. Have you ever heard of shofar? Anybody know what a shofar is? It's a Jewish trumpet. Uh, when the Jews, whenever there was an emergency in Jerusalem or in any town, they would blow the shofar. Have you ever, anyone ever heard a shofar? Oh, last summer, it was the eeriest thing. Last summer, we were, it was uh, late at night. We were laying in bed and had the windows all open. Somebody in the neighborhood somewhere had gotten a hold of a shofar. And they were blowing a Because sh- I, I know what a shofar, shofar sounds like. And I go, Lisa, do you hear that? I said, no, I don't think it's the real one. It would be a lot louder than that. <laughs> but anyway, that's what, that's what a shofar is, Okay. He says, then we are alive, who, we are who are alive and remain will be caught up, harpazo, raptura, together with them in the clouds 
and, the, and meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord, just like Jesus promised. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He wanted to put the church up at Thessalonica. He wanted to put them at ease, to let them know that we don't know when the rapture is going to occur, but we do know what's going to happen when it does. And, and that's what I would like to talk to you about today. Or I'd like to talk to you about some of the things that we can expect to happen when that rapture does occur. And then I'd like to talk to you about some of the things that are that we can be challenged by to do until the rapture occurs. Because there's a whole, I have a whole list of them. And uh, there are there are things that we've been doing all throughout the church age, but it seems to be so much more important now to do these things because there's this sense, I don't know how it is with you, but there's this sense of urgency all the time in me. I turn on the television and I feel this sense of urgency. I don't feel bad for the bad people in this world who are doing bad things. I feel I feel very bad for the innocent people who are getting caught up in the bad things. But there's a lot of evil going, and I never used to say that word. I just never, I remember when Ronald Reagan called the, called the Soviet Union the evil empire, that was way back in the 80s. And I remember when he said that, it was so out of the, out of or, ordinary for him to make a statement like that. And, uh, oh, he just was excoriated by the press for, for saying that. But then, the longer the time went on, and the more I saw what the Soviet Union was all about and what they did, then that did not come to me as a, as a uh, improper word at all. They were an evil empire. They were doing evil things. And uh, some, so there was a great writer that came out of the Soviet Union, Alexander Solhenitsyn. I don't know if you know who, who that guy was. The younger people won't because he's dead now. And he, but he wrote during the 70s. And uh, he wrote, he wrote a, his famous book was The Gulag Archipelago. And he talked about this prison system that the, that the Soviets had set up throughout the nation where they could re-educate people who didn't agree with the party. Uh, see, communism has a problem with people who don't agree with them. And uh, anyway, that's a rabbit trail. I don't want to get off on that rabbit trail because I could easily do that. Um, there's, a, there's another passage, a third passage, that is also used to substantiate or provide evidence for the rapture, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, from verses 51 to 58. Let me read that. It says, be, Paul's writing again. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on, put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this moral will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That is so uplifting. That is so comforting at at a time like this. If anything comes out of this message today, I would pray and hope that you could you could begin to understand that things are rough in the world and they're not going to get better. Um, uh, Amy Grant Amy Grant sang a song back in, in 1995. It was called "We Believe in God." It went, "We believe in God, and we all need Jesus because life is hard and it might not get easier." And uh, and I always liked that song because we live in a time like that right now where things are getting rough. And we don't know where things are going to go, but God does. And he knows when he's going to push the button. And once that happens, once that rapture occurs, there's going to be a huge, big, big fork in the road, okay? What's going to happen is, is that the church and all those who have, who have died before, all those believers, are all going to be raptured with Jesus back into heaven. What do you suppose, what do you suppose is going to go on? It's going to be a great, big, huge feast. And it's called the marriage feast of the Lamb. And it's going to be taken on. And we're going to see a lot of things going on. There will be a beam seat judgment during that time. There'll be all the, It's going to be a great time. It's not going to be a great time for the other fork in the road because that's the unbelievers. And at the, at the time of the rapture, the unbelievers are going to head right straight into the tribulation. And as a matter of fact, it's not going to be a pretty sight because... If you stop and think about it and you bring this whole thing into reality, when that rapture occurs, there's going to be an awful lot of people killed right there on the spot because there's going to be a lot of things going on in this world that are going to be in dire emergency when when Christians disappear. If there are two Christian pilots flying an airliner and the rapture occurs, there will be zero people flying that airliner. You see what I mean? And that's just one example. And there are examples everywhere. But at that point in time, God is announcing to the world that he is finished with the world. He is, he, there is no room for the sin that goes on in the world to be in heaven. He, he will not have that. That will not happen. So that means that it has to be dealt with. And it will just go downhill from there. People, people will probably be really upset about it for a period of time, but then somebody's going to come along who will explain it away. Now, if you don't think people today can be, can be, can be um, encouraged to believe absolute irrational lies, just look around. It's everywhere you look. People, you, you think they would, what is the matter with people? Can't they see that this is, this is totally ridiculous? It's totally irrational. It doesn't make sense. They do. And if you try to call them on it, then you can't do that because you can't disagree. You see how that works. So you see the, you see the problems that are developing right now. Well, they're going to all come to a head, and then things are just going to go through, through the tribulation. We have a really good idea of a lot of the things that are going to happen during that tribulation. Um, but we won't be here for it. We're going to be at the marriage feast of the Lamb. Uh, but the Lord doesn't want us to be ignorant, just like he didn't want the Thessalonians to be ignorant. He tells us that. I just read that to you in, in, uh, in that passage. And so we don't want to be ignorant because 
We want to be able to tell people before it happens that it's going to happen. That's the that's the power of the prophetic word is being able to is God being able to lay down what's going to happen before it happens so that when it does happen, people will look back and say, oh, so and so told me about that. Um, Weren't they a Christian? Yeah, they were. They're gone. Yeah, they are. Uh, maybe we ought to look into this while we can. They won't say while we can because they won't realize that while we can may not be very long. But there, it'll start off slowly. But eventually, you will not be able to be. A, you won't be able to have anything to do with a Christian. And if you do, it'll cost you your life. Um, I think it's the fifth seal. The Lamb opens up the fifth seal, the Book of Revelation. And the fifth seal, all these people are underneath the altar. They've all been given white robes. And uh, these are the people who have come out of the tribulation, who have, give, who have given up their lives and been beheaded because they believed in Jesus. And that happened during, there will be people saved during the tribulation. So that's going to go on. And these people, some of them are going to seek it out, seek God's word out. There's going to be a whole lot of Bibles out there. And it's going to take a long time for them to burn them all. But they'll probably make every effort to do that. And if they don't burn them all, then I'm sure that they'll make it illegal for you to have one. And so you just never know. So you see then that the rapture is going to occur. Now, something else I should clear up. When the rapture occurs, if you look back at, the, at, the, at what I just read in Thessalonians, all believers are going to be taken up into heaven. The, the criteria for being taken up into heaven in the rapture is you have to be a believer. It's the same thing for, for being saved. You've got to be a born-again believer. If you are a born-again believer, you will be raptured into heaven. If you are not, you won't. That clear. Okay, now... Sometimes some of us Christians, especially the ones that really love the Lord and really, really, really um, take his word seriously and, and believe that his word is exactly as he wrote it in a very plain sense way, we, 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 we kind of get kind of uppity and think, well, these Christians over here, they, they don't believe that. They don't believe in the rapture at all. But they're still going to get raptured. They're believers. Now, there might be some real... Real fun explaining going on. We get to heaven. <laughs> that might be fun, but um, but everybody's going. Everybody who believes. So if you have if you have an aunt who is Catholic, or if you have a, a cousin who's Presbyterian or Lutheran or some of the old denominations that really don't place much stock in anything that comes out of eschatology, then. Uh, if they're believers, then they're going to get taken to heaven, and they'll be surprised, very surprised, a little confused maybe at first. So expect that to happen, okay? Again, we don't know when. But, you know, the last words of, uh, of the book of Revelation, last, it's not the last exact last words. It's, I think, the last verse, the second to the last verse. But it says in Aramaic, it's transliterated. The uh, New Testament's not written in Aramaic, it's written in Greek. But this is translated, or not translated, transliterated um, uh, uh, Aramaic. So it's transliterated to, to sound with Greek letters, okay? But the word is Maranatha. Sometimes you hear it referred to as Maranatha, 
Okay, but it's Maranatha. It's Marana, come Lord, it's Tha. Maranatha, come Lord. I used to, I, I never used to say that. But I found more and more with every day, I find myself going to sleep at night saying, Maranatha, Maranatha. Fully expecting that one of these times I'm going to wake up and the blink will have occurred and I will be with my Savior. With all you guys. That's going to be fun. Maranatha. Keep that in mind, okay? Maranatha. Say that. whenever you And tell other people what it means. It would be good. Okay. Um, he doesn't want us to be ignorant. The truth is established by the word of God. That's because all of God's word is the truth. If if this passage in Thessalonians makes it crystal clear that, that we're going to see an event called the rapture under these conditions, then you really can rest assured that that's going to happen. It's, it's going to take place. And it's going to take place just like Paul said it was going to take place. Now, one of the things that the unbelieving world tends to... tends to... Uh, 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 ridicule the believing world with about the rapture is they say, oh, you guys are just being a bunch of snobs because you think you're going to get away from all this stuff and you don't have to go through it and we do. So who do you think you are? And you look at them and you say, just a minute, stop, 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 stop. Don't you realize that you don't have to go through it? I don't have to go through it simply because I have taken and given myself to Jesus who paid the price for all the sins that I have committed throughout my whole life and ever will. You can do the same thing. Then they really don't have anything that they can say to that because you've just laid it on the line. I mean, there's the answer. Come to the Lord. You hate to see somebody come out of fear, but if it'll bring someone to the Lord, truly bring someone to the Lord, then then God knows who is who is who the people are who truly, truly uh, repent and give themselves to him. And he'll act on that, just like he promised that he would. Okay, so we, um, we, have, we know that Jesus promised to return for his disciples. Um, number four here in my list is that this is a mystery or a sacred secret. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me go back to that. And read that one more time, because that's not the first time that you see that word in, in the New Testament, but you always see Paul using it. Um, he says, behold, in 51, verse 51, he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We'll, we will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. Okay. He calls that a mystery. Now, when you think about a mystery, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, uh, GE Mystery Theater or, uh, uh, you know, or, or a mystery novel or something like that. Because a mystery is something hidden. Um, it, you just can't see it. You're, and, and, and a mystery, in, in, the, in the sense of the church, in the sense of scripture and, and the Bible, a mystery is simply something that God has had planned and, and and has intended to happen for a long time, but you were never allowed to see it. Just like, for example, Jesus 
was going to come and save everyone from their sin when he died on the cross. Well, the Old Testament saints couldn't see that. It was a mystery to them. They could have faith in God, and that's what, remember, what's required for salvation, faith in God. And they did. You read Hebrews chapter 11, you get a whole list of, of the Old Testament saints that had faith in God. And so, uh, the mystery, uh, Paul says, it's a sacred secret to be revealed at a later time. And that's exactly what he means. He, 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 he uses that word again in, in Ephesians chapter 3. He talks about it, he says, I tell you a mystery, just like he did here. A different mystery this time. This time the mystery is, and I can see where this would be a mystery to a Jew. This time the mystery is, is that God is going to bring the Gentiles into his kingdom along with the Jews. Wow. If you're a Jew and you hear that. Wait, Paul, what do you say? You, they're, these, these Gentiles, these Goyim, they're coming into our kingdom? No, never happened. That's been going on for 2,000 years. And there's a veil over their eyes, and they don't see it. And to this day, there's once in a while... And it's not very often that a Jew comes to, to know the Lord. But there are some. There's an organization in the West Coast out here called Jews for Jesus. Have you ever heard of it? Anybody? Yeah. It, um, uh, uh, Moish Rosen formed that. I think he died recently. Uh, he formed it back in the 70s. And, uh, and, he, and he came to know Jesus. And it was really something. because I, I used to listen to this guy talk. I used to have tapes. You know, We had big tape ministries back then. And uh, I had a tape. I had a bunch of tapes of his, and and he would uh, he would talk about his love for Jesus, and it was so cool. It was just so exciting to listen to him because he was a Jew, and he had all of the he had all of the uh, the understanding of the Old Testament that the Jewish mind would have. But this is a Jew that had given himself over to Jesus completely. So now he's preaching the gospel, just like Paul. He's preaching the gospel now. And to hear that guy talk, it was just, he was so exciting to watch. So anyway, so much for Moshe Rosen. Um, okay, so um, let's see. We got the mystery, and there's going to be a mystery that's going to get solved. Um, he's going, Jesus is going to leave heaven with a shout. I already did that with a big comp. By the way, I, let, me, let, me, let me stop there for just one quick second. When, let me double check this, okay. When, um, uh, in the book of Revelation, come on, book of Revelation, where are you? Let's see, do, 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 do. Rev 4. After these things, I hold it. Yep, here it is. In, in, uh, in Revelation chapter 4, at, at, at the end of chapter 3, that is the last time that there is any reference in the book of Revelation to the church. Up until then, there's all kinds of of, uh, of um, revelations about the church. We have the, the seven churches in Ephesus, and he has all these things to say about those seven churches. I won't go into that now. But after that, in chapter 4, verse 1, after these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking, 
with me said, Come! Up here right now. That's it. That's to come. Listen for a loud... You, the whole world will hear that come. I and mean, you can get goosebumps because it's going to be in a twinkling of an eye and you're not going to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't even know if you'll even know. Well, you will. You hear the come and you hear the trumpet. So, anyway... Um, the trumpet of God will sound, and, and now, by the way, there's two comings. I don't want to get you confused with this stuff. There are two comings, and you've heard of both of them. Now, the, this is where there's some controversy in the churches, because the Christian community, uh, the Christian churches, cannot seem to agree on, on these comings. Um, there's a com- if, they, if you look at it the way Scripture presents it, here's what, here's what you see. In, in one coming, you see Jesus coming down out of heaven in the clouds and receiving the people on earth who are believers coming up to him. Okay, that's what we call the rapture. The, the other one, there is another coming, and in that one, Jesus comes all the way down and he plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. And when he does that, there is a huge, huge earthquake and the Mount of Olives splits. That is the second coming. That coming is where he's going to be heading right to Armageddon. And the last battle will be fought. But it will start off on the Mount of Olives. And, and that's going to be the beginning of the end for Satan. So that's, that's exciting stuff, you guys. It really is. All right, so um, um, let's see. Any more exciting stuff that I can throw at you here? Oh, I can give you this story. Um, one of the things that that I like to talk about, and I like to refer to myself as from time to time, is I like to call myself an ambassador for Christ because that's what Paul calls us, all of us, as an ambassador. And an ambassador is an interesting person. They represent a, a, com- a country, and when they go to a foreign country to be a representative, they don't participate in the affairs of the country that they're in because that's not what they're there for. They're there to represent the United States of America. Okay, so when you when you do that, you don't want you don't want to get involved. If you do, you can, you can find yourself in treason real quick. You know, you get into the intrigue and stuff that goes on between all these foreign nations and who knows what. But I, I'd like to bring bring a little story to mind here. This happened in uh, December of 1941. It was December 7th. And um, uh, Pearl Harbor was attacked. And in December 8th, uh, that was a Sunday that Pearl Harbor was attacked Sunday morning. Just like right now. As a matter of fact, what time is it? It's 11.30? Um, 10.30, 9.30, 8.30. I think that's is right now because um, aren't they three hours behind us? It's Hawaii? I think they're three hours behind us. Well, anyway. Anyway, it was being attacked on Sunday. And then Monday, the 8th, uh, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, um, announced that, um, that um, this would be a day of infamy. And declared war on the Axis powers. Now, for you, for for those of you who don't know, you younger people who who aren't that familiar with World War II, the, the, there were two there were two groups of people. There was a world war, 
So there were two groups of people. There were the Axis powers, Germany, Italy, Japan. I think it was it. And then there were the Allied powers. That was the United States, Great Britain, France, Soviet Union, believe it or not. We, boy, we, we paid dearly for that later on, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, but those were the uh, Allied powers, okay? So the United States, uh, Fra- Franklin Delano Roosevelt declared, and of course Congress immediately passed, a war declaration against the Axis powers. And by the end of the day, on the 8th of December, we were at war. And then on the 9th of December, Franklin Delano Roosevelt called all of his ambassadors back from the from the Axis power countries, he sent a, t- uh, a telegram. He said via uh, a uh, um, um, uh, encoded, encrypted telegram, and he said, "Bring these boys, bring these people home right now. They do, they do not belong in this country. We don't want to have things to do with this country. Bring them home." Now, normally, that's that's the last thing that you do when you recall your ambassadors. A state of affairs between two countries has really deteriorated. If you can't have ambassadors in each country, you've got a problem, serious problem. And that's what happened. And, of course, those ambassadors never went back to those countries again because most of those countries, with the exception of the Soviet Union, I think I don't think that Italy, I don't think they came back. No, they didn't. They, they, they became a country a different country after that because Mussolini ran them. And, uh, of course, Japan, it never came back the same either. So that's what happens when you have an ambassador. Well, we are are Christ's ambassadors. And so as as his ambassadors, we represent him. And I'd like to give you some of the challenges that he's thrown out there for us, okay? Uh, Number one, number A, letter A, he or she is to attend the services of the Lord regularly. Okay, Hebrews 10.25. Uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more the, mo- the so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's that all about? He's saying, go to church a lot, folks, because the day is approaching. What day is that? Well, we know what day it is now. And that's another thing, too. You know, people, I, I used to hear a lot of people say, all people have always talked about the rapture. No, they haven't, actually. They've only been talking about the rapture for about the last hundred years. Uh, it was never really thought of as the rapture before that. It was simply First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. And now it's called the rapture, okay? So, um, uh, anyway, go to church and don't do it on a, on a, on a, on a sloppy, you know, onesies and twosies. Uh, if I make it this week, okay. Nobody does that here. I, I see you guys every week. <laughs> Smiling faces out there. Anyway, um, the person who is, uh, uh, who's a believer in light of the rapture is a person who is to observe the Lord's supper excuse me, the Lord's Supper with the rapture in mind. When we take the Lord's Supper here, and I think John pretty much alludes to that when when, he, when we do, we take the Lord's Supper, we take it with the whole notion, come Lord Jesus, come soon. We're waiting for you, Lord. We, we want you to come. 
and, and we're going to do the things that you've commanded us to do while we're waiting. Um, the next item is the person who is, uh, is the believer is to love all other believers and all men. Everybody. Um, one unknown poet has observed, to live above with those we love, oh, that will then be glory. But to live below with those we know, well, that's a different story. Okay. Um, next one. He is to live a separated life. Separated life. Okay, that separated life means a holy life. That's what holy means. Separated. You're separate. And you have to be because you're living in the world. Uh, you can't... Ha- I, I, I just have to lay this on the line. It's getting hard to turn that television set on anymore. Uh, if you can't take the programs... I mean, if you can take the programs, you certainly can't take the commercials. And um, there's such a little, precious little amount that you can watch. We like to We like to watch the Hallmark stuff because... I like to watch sappy movies. I've been, I'm an old sentimentalist, and I like those sappy movies on Hallmark. And uh, everybody thinks that I'm nuts, you know. But hey, and I've noticed that even those things are changing their whole focus and on the way the way the world's going. So um, love everyone, everybody, the sinners and the believers, because the believers need it. For the hope, and the unbelievers believers need it need it to point the way to salvation. Get them to consider Jesus. We're going to be doing that pretty soon if we get a chance to when we go to the convalescent home. Believe me, you'll get plenty of opportunities there too to go to those convalescent homes. Those people are lonely people. Um, I don't know. Maybe once in a while, you if you find someone that has family. And the family comes and visits them regularly, then then they may not be so lonely. But you're going to find that a, a, a good percentage of the people that are in those places, they're just they make you want to. Cry. You're going to walk out of there and you're going to have tears in your eyes because you're going to say, "Oh my gosh, how can this poor person live from day to day to day in this kind of a world?" Anyway, we'll wait for that to happen. Uh, be patient um, is item number D. Be patient. Uh, be also patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. That's King James. And uh, that's James chapter 5, verse 8. So patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. I don't, I, I, I don't like to say this one, but I will. Patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. It's rarely found in women and never in a man. <laughs> Somebody that I know quotes that to me every once in a while. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, you live a separated life. Um, keep yourself separated from the world. The world has become so evil that the evil does everything in its power to try to entice you in. And we are all human beings. We are all flawed. Every one of us. And we can we can succumb to those things and and don't let it happen don't let it get close that the first sign of it run not don't walk run stay away from that stuff and uh, then say come lord jesus 
uh, let's see, uh, F, he's, he's to refrain from judging others. We're not in the judging business. Now, you're going to hear a lot of people right now in the world, uh, especially in some of the ones involved in these political movements, who, who are going to say, you have no right to judge me. Don't judge me. Okay? There's a problem with that because you're not judging them. You're judging what they're doing. There's a big, big difference. When you are in, you are in blatant sin, and that blatant sin is affecting other people around you who are innocent to start with, and they get sucked into that sin, then you need to say something. And you're not judging them. They'll tell you that you are, and they'll try to make you think you are, but you're not. It's a, it's a fine line, because you can cross over it real easy. And you can throw judgment right at somebody. Something to the effect of, you're going to go to hell. That's judgment. That's, you're, we're not in the business to do that. We can't. And if we do do that, God isn't, it doesn't appreciate that one bit. So that's a, that's a no-no. F-G. Uh, we're supposed to preach to the world. So here I am to, today. I'm preaching, okay. No, um, you all have opportunities in your homes and in your lives and in your families to preach God's word. Now, you can talk to, to your relatives. And if they don't want to talk, then, then use your imagination and come up with ways to, to start conversations that will lead them to think about the things of the Lord. The idea is to get them to consider Jesus. Now, they're not going to go, they're probably not going to want to, if, if these are unbelieving relatives that you've got, let's say, or friends, and they don't, they're not going to want to consider Jesus at first. And so you have to come up with ways to do it. Uh, Moshe Rosen, remember the guy I told you back a while back? He used to have the most wonderful, the Jewish people have this, they, they, um, they, what do they, they, what do they call it? Uh, it's like, uh, they lead you, they lead you right up to the, to the, to the, to the crux line, and then they walk away. So you're sitting there going, huh? Hey, wait, what's next? You know? And they had this one girl who was so good at that. And she, t- she would teach people how, how to do that. You know, you, you, let's, let's just, this left up a prayer to wherever that thing is headed. It's going pretty fast. And, uh, it's going, to, it's going to pick up someone, so we'll just lift them up to the Lord right now. Father, in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay. Um, he's to comfort the bereaved. Okay, here we go. We're going to get a, some of us are going to get a chance to, when we go to the, uh, to the marquee, uh, we're going to find bereaved people. We're going to find them in our own families. Uh, people are dying in our Christian families. There's been several people in our church that we have lost over the last two years. And, uh, and so, um, this is something that we can do that the world can't even come close to doing. Let me tell you, a person who believes that when they die, it's the lights out and they're going to go push up daisies, then that's it. What hope do they have? What can they offer a person who has just lost, lost a loved one? If that's what it is. Now, of course, if you run into somebody who has lost a loved one and that loved one wasn't a believer, oh, my Lord, that's so hard. Because you know where chances are. Now, that doesn't have to always be that way because there's always a chance somebody can make that, can make what they call the bedside conversion. You know, it can happen. And you always have to leave, leave, 
leave an opening for that somewhere. But then there's some times when you just know it's not going to happen or it didn't happen. So then you have to pray and you have to, you have to have God to give you words that will comfort and let the Holy Spirit do that because he's such a great comforter and he can comfort us. Maybe he can give us ideas on how to comfort those who have lost loved ones or have, have, uh, have lost dear ones and they don't know Jesus. You see how, just thinking about that, you think about the hopelessness of that. Okay, so let's see. We've got winning souls. Um, let's try to do that all the time. I, I don't know about you, but, but I haven't had a whole lot of opportunities to lead people to the Lord in my life. It's one of those things. Um, it just hasn't happened that often. But I know that when it did happen, it was a big thing for them, and they came back and told me all about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you can, you, you plant seeds. I'm a great seed planter. And, uh, and, and maybe that's what we maybe that's what we are in here, you know, our seed planters. But do plant the seeds then, okay? Um, and then be concerned with heaven. Think and talk about heavenly things to 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 each other. Uh, don't you remember in Deuteronomy there was the passage that said, "Where where this your scriptures on your foreheads?" You know, the amulet they used to wear. Uh, was it ben, anybody ever see Ben Hur? He had one that they put in the in the pockets on the door when they walked in, and they had a little pocket with this thing in, and he and he and he reach in and grab it and pull it out and kiss it. It was a it was basically a, a habit more than anything. It didn't mean didn't mean a whole lot, but they did that, and it was in the, it was in uh, the Old Testament. Okay, but do it for real. Be concerned with heaven, and uh, that's Jay. That's the last one in that bunch. All right, good. Okay, so I hope that I hope that I've been able to. Um, I, I know you guys have all heard of the rapture, and I know that you all know that it's there and it's out there. I, I don't know that you all knew that it really it really is real and it really is doctrinally sound. It is sound doctrine. Now, what's so interesting is that there's a whole lot of Christianity that just flat reject it. Just they, they they look at the at the at the rapture as when Jesus comes again at the end of the age, but but there are so many problems with that view. It just doesn't stand up. It doesn't it doesn't correlate. And if you're if it's one thing that the Bible has to do, and it's got to correlate with itself, if it's the truth, and the truth is consistent with itself always. And so if you find that these, that these doctrines are not consistent with, there's a big problem over here because um, um, you, you're trying to say one thing here and one thing over here and they conflict with one another, then you have to wonder, well, is that a really good doctrine? And that's the problem that some of the other denominations have. Of course, they say we do too, but, but it's hard, really hard for anybody to refute um, First Thessalonians. Chapter one, chapter four, verses thirteen to eighteen. It's right there in black and white. You can't can't refute that stuff. But you know how people do that, though. And interestingly enough, they they symbolize it. We've got a whole section of Christianity out there that that says and maintains that the Revelation, Book of Revelation, is nothing but a bunch of symbolism, and that that the church. 
the churches that are spoken of Revelation are the Christian churches, and that the Jews, the Jewish Israelites that are spoken of in Revelation is actually the church. It's the spiritual church. And you have to wonder about what on earth planet did you come from? But they do, and, they, and they've been doing it for a long time. The, the, the idea of, of taking um, scriptures quite literally, and I, when I say literally, I don't mean the way that the unbelievers do it. They like to make mock Christianity and call us fundamentalist Christians and say that we believe that you know every jot and tittle in the Bible is absolutely 100% bam. And they'll start, what they do, and it's, and it's so predictable, they'll start, they'll start giving you similes and metaphors, and they'll, and they'll say, yeah, you guys take those for real because that's what it says. And you're going, no, it's a simile. It's supposed to be like something else, okay? It's a metaphor. It's supposed to represent something else. Anyway, so um, um, I don't know. I don't know that I have any more for, for today. I, um, I love all you guys. I sure enjoy being here, and I, I'm just glad when I get an opportunity to do this. So anyway, uh, we've got some more things that we're going to be doing before we're done. Okay, we're going to get the kids up here and uh, and, and get them, um, send them off to the summer. They're going to get to have a great summer. Before the, but before you do that, um, I'd like to pray. Um, Father, Lord, where do I start? It's we want you to come, Lord. We just want you to be here for us, and um, we want you to. We want you to rescue us, Lord, from this world that is simply falling apart. And we, and we pray, Lord, that you would bring every last person that you can into your kingdom. But we know that that's not going to be everyone, Lord. And especially in today's world where it's becoming so obvious, there's, there's so much evil that is so rampant everywhere we look. And that, like Jesus said, that these times will be, the times at the end of the age will be like birth pains. And that um, each time a birth pain comes, it is more, it's stronger than the prior birth pain. And not only that, but the birth pains come more frequent and more frequent and more intense and more intense. And that's what we're seeing. And, um, and so, Lord, we can see the signs of the times. We know, we know that it's, that it's soon. We, we don't know when, Lord. And, and we're just waiting. And we're just trusting in you, Lord Jesus. And um, that's all we can do. And so, Lord, we entrust ourselves to you and everything that we do and everything that we say. And our families, too, Lord. All the people that we know. In your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen.